1: And good afternoon, everyone. Well, what a day it's been today. It's a story, of course, that uh, all too many are familiar with here in Newfoundland and Labrador. The ocean has claimed two more lives after an open boat with four men on board overturned on the water about one kilometer from Fleur de Lis yesterday. The accident happened around three o'clock yesterday afternoon, about ten meters from the shoreline. Uh, sorry, not ten, about a hundred meters from the shoreline. Uh, uh, one man survived the ordeal and the bodies of two others were recovered. The search continues, of course, for a fourth man still missing. Well, the uh, Senate held hearings in St. John's today on the impact of seals on various species, bringing harvesters and industry officials together. And, of course, uh, fleur de and uh, the Bayvert Peninsula as a whole, very well known for its... Um, um, Participation, I suppose, in the seal fishery, the FFAWs. Greg Pretty told reporters this morning that the union and its membership are shaken by the news.
2: Absolutely tragic. Uh, We are heartbroken. Uh, Our members, uh, we were informed last night of, of the tragedy and we've been following it all night and uh, most of the night and uh, our heart goes out to the families and, and people who are who are deceased and uh, hopefully we can have uh, a recovery of i think there's one individual still missing uh, and we just hope for the best results possible there
3: these sort of incidents are unfortunately all too common in Newfoundland and Labrador. What goes through your mind when you hear of something like this happening?
2: Well, it's not only Newfoundland and Labrador, it's the most dangerous profession on the planet in our regards. There's over 24,000 people uh, involved in the fishing industry die on an annual basis. So those are the stats. So uh, we have, uh, there's a safety association in place here to combat that, uh, it's an educational process. And we, you know, uh, this just points to, to uh, what can happen uh, and, uh, you know, we need to w- do more work and uh, we need to be, we, we need to have more involvement on safety procedures on vessels. I don't know what happened here, I have no idea, but uh, it's, uh, it's just a very terrible outcome for those families and those communities and the province in general.
3: What's your message to the industry now, an industry that's grieving once again?
2: Well, once again, uh, we need an investigation as to, and I'm sure that will take place. We need to know exactly what happened here. And then uh, we will, uh, if there are uh, lessons to be learned from this, uh, we'll take that and move it to the our, through our membership, through our safety association.
4: In terms of the way the uh, fishing season is scheduled, I know we have a you know there's some gaps sometimes when it's not not happening with the cod fishery, and uh, and then it starts up again. Is there anything with with the schedule that you would like to see different? It sometimes may play a factor in some of this stuff.
2: Well, you know those are uh, dictated by uh, committees and and DFO as you know. Uh, so if, if there are lessons here uh, uh, with respect to scheduling, we'll certainly, uh, I'm sure our committees will look at that and we'll, we'll have a thorough uh, investigation ourselves as to uh, what happened and if, in fact, the seasonality of the uh, fishery is, uh, has an impact here.
1: And that was the FFAW's Greg Pretty speaking with reporters this morning at that Senate hearing at the Delta Hotel. Uh, Keith Bath, a fisherman from Fleur de Lis, knew all the men on board. He made a presentation at today's hearings and spoke with reporters afterward about how difficult this has all
5: been. Yes, I would like to uh, pay my condolence to him. I'm hearing St. John's at the time and I could not be there. If I was home, I would be up to see them, but uh, I will be back tomorrow or the next day, so I will be going up to visit them. They're real good friends of mine.
6: You mentioned that people in fleur de are the nicest people in the world. Can you just tell us a little bit about they that?
5: Are. They are, because we used to be sealing out of fleur de or time. Never have any worries about keeping your boat there. They would look after it. And, uh, well, we were gone home for probably the weekend.
3: Can you tell me a bit about the people that, that you knew and, and what were they like?
5: Uh, oh yeah, Dwayne, that was the owner. Well, he was. A couple of days ago, we had a meeting in L.A.C. The premier was there, and he would come to my house for dinner that day. Him and his girlfriend Natasha. She would have been here. She was supposed to be here, but because of this happening, she she never came. And then there was uh, there was uh, Tim Shea which was a good friend, known for years. His father now is Pete Shays, about 89 years old, so you know how hard it is on them. And, and uh, Brian Walsh, he was from Coachman's Cove. His brother I didn't know, mm-hmm. but I knew him. And, and, and Petty Shelley was married to his sister, Sheila. Mm-hmm. So it's very hard on all of them
3: how difficult has it been for you to be so far away while all this has been happening well it's
5: uh, i couldn't sleep last night mm-hmm. i'm so
6: sorry for your loss it's so difficult right
1: now it is especially for a tight knit
6: community mhm yeah. small
5: community and everybody knowing each other mm-hmm. but really what happened yet i don't know but i know is that the speedboat sank that's what i was told
1: So that was Keith Bath of Fleur de Lis, Um, and uh, it's, it's rough stuff, and I think it impacts just about every Newfoundlander and Labradorian when we hear about these types of tragedies unfolding. On the ocean, we know all too well about uh, the hazards of uh, working and uh, living by the ocean. Well, VOCM's Richard Duggan has been following this story throughout the course of the day. He's just back from an update at the Coast Guard Search and Rescue Center here in St. John's, and he joins me now. Hello, Richard. Hello, Linda. So, yeah, rough day. You've been facing eyes into this all day.
3: Yeah, it's uh, been an emotional one because we just heard from Mr. Bath and you could hear the emotion in his voice, um, especially towards the end there. But what you couldn't see was the look in his eyes as he was saying it. And that, for those of us that were there, I think just adds a whole other level of emotion to the situation. Hearing not only hearing what he had to say, but then seeing the look on his face as he said it. Um, And as you mentioned, I was just down at the Coast Guard, and again quite a somber news conference still operating under the hope that this other person can be found but there was a somberness to it and uh, so we spoke with uh, Mark Gold who is uh, with Maritime Search and Rescue and he summed it up basically by saying that the survivability window in this situation is closing pretty rapidly so they're exhausting all of their Uh, resources now. uh, And that is why, as we heard, the RCMP has announced that the search has been extended to land. And that is part of the reason why uh, we learned today that 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 has taken place because that survivability window is closing. They want to make sure that they've ticked all their boxes, basically. And, you know, if there's a chance that this person has made it to land, they want to make sure that they check and, and make sure.
1: Yes, because this only occurred about, I mean, 100 meters. It doesn't sound like that much, but if you're in the water, it's, you know, it's an eternity. It's very far away, but, uh, you know, relatively close to the shoreline. So I guess they have to explore the possibility that this uh, this uh, fourth man somehow made it to shore.
3: Absolutely. And um, they were sort of describing the terrain a little bit and how it's, it's sort of a rocky Area, lots of rocks, lots of, I guess the the cliff sides, I guess that that are in that area as well that they're contending with. Uh, so it is a little bit of a rough area to search. Um, but he said that you know conditions. Did deteriorate somewhat yesterday evening, but overall it's been, been good conditions for them to conduct the search. And he never gave any sort of timelines on, you know, when the, the potential of the search uh, being called off. Uh, he just said that the search is ongoing, they're going to keep going, and, you know, operations right now, they're having the conversations, but as of right now, they're still very much focused on finding this man.
1: Do we know anything about the circumstances? We know it was an open boat, 23 feet Mm -hmm. long, four men on board, sank, sank, um, unconfirmed reports indicating it may have been swamped or something like that. When you think of an open mm-hmm. boat on the water, it it can happen. Um, uh, do we know anything about the circumstances?
3: No, they couldn't provide any detail uh, like that in terms of what could happen. And I guess that'll come out in the coming days with as this is investigated. And, uh, you know, we, we do have, the as of right now, this person who did survive. So I guess they'll be able to give a pretty good account of what actually happened out uh, One thing that we did learn down at this news conference, Linda, um, was about the initial rescue effort um, that saved the life of of that man and did recover the bodies of of the two others. Um, They told us that it was uh, another vessel that just happened to be in the area, and they came upon the scene, and they hauled this guy, the survivor, out of the water, and they retrieved (coughs) the bodies of the other two and then put in the call to the Coast Guard, and that's when they arrived. So all of this that initial effort was from just a, another vessel that just happened to be in the same area.
1: Just extraordinary. I know that Mr. Bath, uh, Keith Bath, also spoke to reporters after the uh, recording devices were off and offered you some more, I guess, perspective from a long-time fisherman.
3: Yeah. Yes, yeah, and, you know, just to put this into perspective, he's, you know, he, he left school when he was in, in his mid-teens, and, uh, you know, he's... In, in his I think mid-70s now and he's been fishing his entire life and uh, you know he's seen this sort of stuff happening and he, it was spo- he spoke to us after the fact about you know how something similar had happened to them and in, in which you know their boat uh, was compromised in a way and they sort of you know they had to navigate that and it just goes back to show that you know the sea is unpredictable, and when you go out there, um, you know, and we heard from um, Greg Pretty a little while ago, and I think he summed it up by saying it's the most dangerous profession in the world, and it it ties back to that as well, and, you know, he had said that, you know, those circumstances, it can go either way, so, uh, you know... There's not much else to say at the moment, just, you know, hearts go out to the families, and hopefully, we're hoping for a positive resolution to the search effort.
1: Richard Duggan, thanks so much. Thank you. Well, coming up, the opposition demanding answers following a news report indicating that the province is planning a hydrogen pipeline through Labrador. We'll have details on that coming up right after this. This is News Talk on VOCM.
0: Stay informed and have your say on the news of the day with your VOCM. Join Linda Swain weekday afternoons from 4 to 5 p.m. for an hour of talk and discussion with decision makers and listeners like you. News Talk on your VOCM.
1: And we're back. Well, the opposition is demanding answers following a news report indicating that the province is planning a hydrogen pipeline through Labrador. Opposition leader David Brazel joins me now. Good afternoon, David Brazel. Good afternoon. So, uh, PC's uh, out with this release now um, asking the question, when was Premier Andrew Fury going to disclose his plans for a hydrogen pipeline in Labrador? What's going on?
4: Well, again, I mean, it's, the question here is about openness and transparency. I mean, any resources that Newfoundland and Labrador has are owned by the people of Newfoundland and Labrador. We're hearing that there's discussions taking place, uh, you know, in Rotterdam in Europe, and yet Roddington on the northern peninsula doesn't know anything about a potential pipeline that would potentially go right through them, right down to our our national park, through indigenous lands in Labrador. So what we want to know is yes or no. Is there a discussion about a hydrogen pipeline coming right through Labrador, down the coast of uh, the northern coast, right on down to uh, the Stephenville area? Particularly, is that part of a project that's happening out there? Uh, uh, Who's engaged? What does this mean for the environment? Uh, what does this mean for employment in Newfoundland Labrador? What does it mean? Is it part and parcel of the negotiations with Quebec? Because uh, they do talk about, you know, the uh, Muskrat Falls. They talk about Gull Island. Is this part of the 2041 negotiations? We need to know, or the people of this province need to know, if this is happening... Uh, what degree it's happening at? Who's engaged with it? What does it mean for the people of this province? And is it a safe environmental process to, to move forward here? So many questions, and the lack of openness and transparency is seen again. We saw it with the cyber attack a couple of years ago. As part of that uh, process, there we saw it on the 2041 negotiations. We had to hear from the Premier of Quebec before we knew there was negotiations happening. So we're asking the Premier and his administration be open and transparent, and honest with the people of the province. If this is happening, start engaging people here because the people of this province should have input. If it isn't, let's dispel it right away and explain why you had commissioned this study as part of it, but it's no longer going to be relevant to what's happening with hydrogen power in this province.
1: In your release, you referenced um, information about uh, the Liberal government's plans for an energy super basin. Uh, what's that all about?
0: Well,
4: this, you know imperative of what they had commissioned, uh, the company that had done that had opened up that this is what government was looking at uh, as part of this process, and that they were preparing papers to be discussed at conferences in Europe around what this would mean here in this province as part of this process. So if they're developing something that's an energy plan, We'll explain that and share that with the people of this province, share it with the industries in this province, share it with the, you know, the trade union and the employees and the contractors, but the taxpayers should be the first people who would know what the plans of government are that supposedly represent them when it comes to our energy production process here and what that means for sustainability and what it means for royalties uh, to be able to provide services for the people of the province. So this secrecy thing again, you know, it's starting to rear its ugly head again about what What's happening and people not knowing uh, what uh, is the play for the future of our energy uh, production in this province.
1: You indicate that the uh, article from The Independent indicates that uh, the Department of Industry, Energy and Technology is not pitching uh, this plan to investors, but instead is signaling. You're asking, what's the difference?
4: Yeah, exactly. At the end of the day, if, if you put something out there, industry would ju- then assume that you're in favor of it and that you would support it. Is that true or not? Again, the simple question to the Premier right now and his administration, is there a pipeline on the table for discussion? or isn't it? And if it is, who have you engaged? Who are the partners? Is it private sector? Is Quebec involved here? Is the federal government been engaged? Tell us about the indigenous conversations you had with the indigenous communities. We know you haven't because we've already had, you know, one of the indigenous groups say they haven't been consulted. So what's happening here? It is, you know, finding out after the fact from outside entities, that's not how we should make decisions in Newfoundland and Labrador. Newfoundlanders and Labradorians should have input into what's going to be sustainability for their future and future generations.
1: David Brazel, appreciate your time.
4: Appreciate this, Linda. Take care.
1: And that is opposition leader uh, David Brazel uh, raising... Um serious questions about uh, that report in The Independent indicating that uh, there are plans in the works or discussions underway on a hydro pipeline through Labrador and uh, parts of Newfoundland. Um, If you have any thoughts on that, you are certainly welcome to give us a call. Well, uh, the forecast track of Hurricane Lee is becoming clearer with the storm expected to weaken and reach the Bay of Fundy on Saturday as a tropical. According to the latest models, the storm will then track through the Gulf of St. Lawrence and pass through the Straits, affecting portions of southeast Labrador and the west coast and central Newfoundland. David Neal with the Environment Canada Weather Office in Gander spoke with me earlier today. Hello, David Neal. Hi, how are you today? Great. So, um, uh, Lee, uh, we're starting to get a better idea of uh, where he may end up. Looks like he's going to make landfall in the Maritime's main Bay of Fundy area uh, this weekend. But what can we expect once he hits landfall there? Uh, so yeah, as you mentioned, right now
7: um, the, the Canadian Hurricane Center has begun issuing uh, official track forecasts for uh, for Lee. Um, it looks like right now the uh, the official track forecast that, that we have in effect. Does have the storm coming up into uh, more to the Gulf of Maine, more towards the uh, uh, the uh, southern New Brunswick and, and into that area. Um, of course, with the uh, the cone of possible tracks, it could uh, still could track anywhere from the coast of Maine to uh, to central Nova Scotia. But right in the center there, we're expecting the the, the official track is more towards uh, uh, towards southern uh, southern New Brunswick. With that said, uh, so looks like those are the uh, the areas that uh, uh, that we uh, we certainly have a, a, a close eye on. But in terms of our province, uh, we'll see some effect from from Lee. With that type of track, uh, what we'd be looking at, uh, we could see some uh, some winds picking up out of the east southeast uh, more in uh, into the day on Saturday, and of course uh, that would be more uh, you're looking more like the Rec House area, and then there are some areas of the west coast. could see see. Some enhanced wind gusts there. Um, in terms of uh, other potential uh, potential effects, uh, we could see uh, uh, some some heavier areas of heavier rain that could impact uh, areas of Newfoundland and even possibly Labrador. Uh, but right now, it's too early to uh, to really say if uh, uh, what kind of amounts we'd be looking at. Um, but uh, it does look like we could see some 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 areas could see some uh, some some heavier rainfall at times uh, throughout the. Uh, throughout this weekend coming in the more kind of saturday sunday time frame uh for those areas finally um looking at uh, uh with that type of track uh we'd expect uh kind of the, the uh Uh, the area with the highest water levels be more confined closer to uh, closer to the storm center. Um, uh, So in terms of anything uh, kind of storm surge related, uh, that should stay well away from from Newfoundland. But with that said, we could still see some uh, some higher swells uh, and some higher waves moving into the south coast uh, more in the Saturday, Saturday night time frame. Um, Unlikely to be anything uh, overly significant for that area but just uh just for people who uh, who are um uh, uh kind of near the the coastline could see some higher waves and some dangerous surf conditions that could come up uh, throughout the weekend so certainly a good idea to kind of stay away from the coastline for that
1: uh, so traditionally, our what we understand of hurricanes, is usually wind on the right side, rain on the left. So Labrador may see a little bit more rain; the island, perhaps a little bit more in the in terms of wind. Um, with that type of track,
7: that would be uh, that that would likely be the uh, the scenario. So, kind of uh, looking at the official track, we would put really Newfoundland more on that sort of uh, kind of kind of west of the uh, west of the track and then Labrador would be a little more kind of north of the north of the track so uh in that sense uh, uh certainly but um really with the winds uh looking more in advance of the storm as the east of easterlies are picking up and those areas of the west coast that tend to see those uh those enhanced winds uh will likely uh see some 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 level of enhancement especially really the wreckhouse area uh but a few other areas along the west coast as well um so certainly uh as the storm comes up uh could see Uh, some higher rainfall even in parts of Newfoundland as well Uh, but um, as I mentioned prior it's a little too early to tell at this point to 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 be able to locate exact areas and what some of those uh, what some of those uh, rainfall amounts will be at at this stage.
1: So stay tuned for that and I see Margot looks like she's going to fizzle out without affecting anyone.
7: Yeah, Margot uh, is uh, kind of hanging out over the open Atlantic, going to kind of meander around a little bit over the next uh, next few days and uh, and weaken uh, a bit. So uh, as it tur- as it looks, uh, that uh, that storm should stay well enough away from uh, from the island. Uh, eventually, it will. Uh, it, a lot of the longer range guidance is expecting it actually to. Uh, Uh, to hang uh, it it does track a bit to to the west but then eventually we'll track uh, away to the east uh, uh, after uh, a number of days according to a lot of the long-range guidance so really the big um, the more focus right now is uh, is on on lee and what uh, what it will do in in the atlantic region
1: all right we'll uh, keep people informed Uh, thanks so much david not a problem thank you That's David Neal with Environment Canada with the latest on Lee. Well, we're overdue for the news, but when we come back, a caller wants to raise an issue about parking fees around Munn and the Miller Centre. When we come back right after this, this is News Talk on VOCN.
0: Nutrition, exercise, keeping the cold at bay. Whatever keeps you feeling great, the Wellness and Healthy Lifestyle Show on your VOCM.
1: And we're back. Uh, And we're going to go to the lines now. Uh, Leonard Henneberry of CBS is on the line. Hello, Leonard.
8: Hello, uh, Linda. How are you today?
1: Oh, Grant. How are you?
8: Good. Enjoying the short bursts of sunshine that we're having in CBS. Short. But you
1: always get it somehow.
8: Yeah, because it's God's country, so that's why I choose to move here when I come back from Alberta.
1: I was going to say to Claudette, I said, what's up with the CBS crowd? Always uh, bragging about the weather, but she's one of them, so I'll leave (laughs) that alone.
8: (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Uh, My uh, beef today is with uh, the parking that uh, my daughter's in her second year of nursing. Uh, She's between the Miller Center and the All Sciences, She's got to pay for parking at the both, uh, uh, centers. Uh, isn't it enough that, uh, they're paying tuition and books and, uh, well, basically the, they got us in the poor house. Uh, I speak for all families that have, uh, kids going to, uh, uh, schools and what have you, uh. You know, what I mean, where does it end? You know, what I mean, it's unreal. She got to travel back and forth from Upper Gullies every day, you know, I mean, the cost of gas is outrageous. Uh, where do it end? It, the, basically, they got us into poor ice.
1: So how does that work then uh, when she's attending classes? Where does she park and and how does she pay? Is, it a, is there a daily rate? Is there, uh, you know, a monthly rate that she can pay? How does that work?
8: Uh, she gets a card uh, for the parking at the Miller Center, which... Uh, AC is a, a straight up fee of $60 for September till I think it's December and then additional fee after that and then she's got to go over to the L Sciences and do our, our clinical which is another $60 and uh, you know what I mean it's uh, and last time I checked uh, we need nurses in uh, our province uh, but we're getting uh, charged for uh, trying to help the uh, the province when it comes to uh, nurses. So uh, I don't know what the student union's got to say about that. I don't know if you've had any calls in the last little while about that. Uh, but, uh, I mean, it's, uh, it's frustrating, uh, Linda.
1: You're raising an interesting point. And, I mean, she doesn't even have really the option to take public transit if she wanted to save on parking.
8: No, and CBS, that's long overdue. I hope uh Bates is listening and counsel because uh, that's long overdue. Mount Pearl's got it. Paradise has got it in the last three or four years. we got a bigger population than Paradise, so uh, we are a city. So uh, why isn't that available to uh, the public? We're paying taxes as it is, so uh, w- we need the services there. We don't have laundry mats here. That's another thing. But, you know what I mean? Uh, the list goes on.
1: But you got the sunshine.
8: Yeah, well, you know what I mean? That's free, right?
1: I don't mean to be facetious, but what would you like to see done there, uh, Leonard, especially for uh, nursing or medical students that, uh, who are attending the Health Sciences Center or the Miller Center?
8: I'm not, I'm not only uh, talking about the, the students. I'm talking about the public, general public, when you got to go and see a loved one or you got to go in for an appointment, okay? It's not fair, Okay. So that's my beef. Uh the money is you know when you, you're robbing uh Robin Peter to Pay Paul, okay? And uh, basically at the end of the day, these government officials uh they like I said they don't care at the end of the day. They can uh whine and talk about it all the time but nothing gets done. And that's the frustration as a taxpayer. I mean, uh, why? Why is no one doing anything about it? You got the opposition there, the PCs. Uh, I don't know where uh what their take is and their views on it, but uh, or the student union. I'll go back to them. Uh, that or uh, that group. Uh, there's nothing being done. You know what I mean to help alleviate this uh, uh, problem. You know what I mean and i don't know i just 'm just frustrated i guess uh as a parent, you know what I mean uh I want to see my daughter do good, but Jesus, arm admirable leg at the end of the day Did they ever get a uh, they have a good job you know what I mean
1: yeah, no, I hear you leonard i'd like to see what uh, others have to say about it. you're raising some interesting points there thank yeah, you very much
8: and, uh, i'm only one voice, but uh hopefully someone's listening and uh Let's hopefully we can do something to alleviate the expense that, uh, that that's incurred uh, with uh, this situation. With uh, you know, in the parking, you know, what I mean, uh, i will okay. just use that as an example. And there's other issues out there, but you know, what I mean? uh, I'm just, I'm just, uh, I'm not happy with the way things are.
1: Indeed, and when you know we're we're getting hit from every direction, so it seems. I mean, uh, groceries alone. You can't
8: walk out your door, Linda. No,
1: no, you can't walk out your door. You got to have at least a hundred dollars in your pocket and then some.
8: You got to go to Costco and buy recyclable toilet paper. There
1: you go, Leonard. I don't mean to laugh, but it's a serious situation. Thanks so much for your call.
8: Okay, thank you for taking my call and listening to me today. Take care. Already,
1: you too. Bye-bye. Uh, your thoughts on what he's in to say? You're welcome to give us a call. When we come back after the break, um, Labradorians traveling to the island uh, for specialized medical appointments have a little bit more help. Uh, we first told you about that last week, but uh, Minister of Labrador Affairs, Lisa Dempster, is going to join us in a few minutes. This is News Talk on VOCM.
0: Your voice in Newfoundland and Labrador's biggest conversation.
1: If
9: you want to know what's happening in your province, tune in to open Line. Every day.
0: Have your say weekday morning starting at 9 a.m. on Open Line with Patty Daly on your VOCM.
1: And we're back. Uh, well, last week, you recall, Premier Andrew Fury and Labrador Affairs Minister Lisa Dempster paid a visit to Labrador West to announce improvements to the Medical Travel Assistance Program. Some have suggested, however, that those improvements don't go far enough. Minister Lisa Dempster joins me now. Hello, Lisa. Hi, good day. So you were uh, paid a trip to Labrador West last week with the Premier for an announcement on uh, some changes to the medical travel program that the province has in place for people in Labrador and other remote areas, including the Northern Peninsula, to get back and forth to important appointments and, you know, surgeries and procedures and all of those kinds of things. Um, So what kind of changes were made there? What kind of a difference will it make? Uh, Thank you, Linda. Yes, that's right. On
9: Friday past, we did... Uh, announced some enhancements to the medical transportation assistance program that we have in this province. And as you know, our province is pretty diverse and the smaller population spread over a large landmass, especially in Labrador. And so often folks have to travel for specialized services, and when they do, uh, we have a program in place to support them. In response to, you know, higher airfare, in response to higher cost of living, etc. We wanted to put some measures in place to help ease the burden that folks traveling for those medical appointments right now were feeling. So uh, in uh, I should back up the bus and say in April 23 budget, the medical transportation provincial program came under Labrador Affairs. And some might say why Labrador Affairs for the provincial. Well, while we have a small population in Labrador, Labradorians used the program five and a half times more than anyone else. They have a long distance to travel for services. Uh, and so we've been, since that time, I, I committed to engaging with stakeholders, community leaders, to see what they were hearing on the ground, to see what uh, feedback we could collect and how we could address some of those uh, concerns. And so one of the things was the burden that airfare having to pay it up front was causing. So in a partnership with the uh, provincial airlines in our province, you know, we invited them in, we had a chat, uh, they took it away, we had a number of meetings to see how they could work with us to address the concern. And at the end of the day, what we've come up with, Linda, is a voucher program. Uh, it was very well received and I continue to receive emails today uh, thanking us for that. So what happens now if an individual has to travel, let's use Lab City for example, they're pretty far from specialized services uh, and sometimes you get no notice. You One day, 24 hours or 48 hours and you have to travel. They will now uh, send an email or call a 1-800 number and they will be given an authorization number uh, and then they will call pal with that number they will get a voucher and the government the province will be paying 100 percent of that voucher up to the first one thousand dollars in addition to that we so after one thousand the province used to cover fifty percent we have now enhanced that to seventy five percent and i also want to say there are a number of other enhancements that's coming in the very near future. You know, we're working with internal systems and, and uh, applications and things like that. So that was why we didn't get it all rolled out at the same time. But I did not want to delay on getting the voucher program started. So that became effective on September the 8th. So you're saying
1: more might be coming here?
9: Oh, there is more enhancements coming, and I made that commitment in the, in Labrador City in in the very near future. So right now, uh, we, you know, the the Premier, when the program was transferred to under my department in April, uh, the Premier supported an additional one million dollars in budget twenty twenty three for administering improvements to the medical transportation program. We're up about. 10.8 million now that we spend on this program and so the extra one million dollars we've taken some time to uh, engage with stakeholders leaders listen to people in community because we wanted to make sure that that one million dollars was invested where uh, you know it was needed most where folks were being uh, hurt the most on their pocketbook
1: now the NDP's uh, Jordan Brown, of course, he he's been speaking about this, as has uh, Leela Evans. Um, uh, but uh, Jordan Brown said this week that you know this this these measures don't go far enough. Will these uh, additional measures that you're hinting at will they you know meet some of those concerns?
9: What I want to say is a couple of things, Linda. Uh, number one, uh, I would. I would love to see us continue to do more. Since I have been involved with government, we have moved a number of enhancements along. In 2021, something I had lobbied for for several years came into effect, and that was where we started uh, covering uh, a per diem, an overnight accommodation for folks who stayed in private accommodation and allowed them to continue to uh, receive a meal per diem. What was happening up to that point is folks could come into the city stay in a hotel get reimbursed uh, a portion of that but if they stayed with family there was nothing and I knew many seniors that would come in and would welcome staying with Johnny or Susie who's at Mun, but not stay in on them if they didn't have anything to give them. So that was one of the enhancements that came. Now we've made an enhancement uh with this voucher program and with anything over one thousand dollars being covered, seventy five percent up from fifty percent and as I alluded to, uh several more enhancements that are coming. So uh it's It's a significant expenditure right now at almost $11 million in the province uh, for residents throughout uh, that have to travel to larger centers for specialized services. It is not income tested. And one of the other things for folks like Labrador City that we've just changed is. If people had access to um, insurance, that was a bit of a conundrum for them because they would be sent back, let's see what your insurance can give you, and the insurance company would come back and maybe want more information. Long story short, folks were waiting an extended period of time to get reimbursed. We've just said... If you if you need to travel, apply to us. If you have insurance, we will sort that out at a later date. And that was well received as well. In addition, my second comment I want to make is there's been some coverage on the airwaves, you know, citing some examples of the cost that a patient and escort, again, a Labrador West example, would be out of pocket. The information that I read was incorrect. Uh, you know, it. Uh, for example, uh, as I mentioned, it's $1,000 for a voucher up front and then after that it's 75% and uh, it's covered and not out of pocket beyond the 1,000 like I read uh, on one of the media outlets.
1: Lisa Dempster, I do appreciate your time. Thank you so much. Thank you for the opportunity, Linda. Have a great rest of the day. And uh, that is Labrador Affairs Minister Lisa Dempster talking about that uh, voucher and sort of clearing up, uh, I guess, some of the questions that surrounded uh, whether or not it goes far enough to help with those out-of-pocket expenses up front. You can just appreciate, uh, Claudette, you and I, if we have to go for a medical appointment or we have to go in for a procedure or surgery or whatever, we just take a cab or someone drops us off at the hospital and we don't think anything more about it than that. But if you're in Labrador West and you get a call saying, you know, we have an opening, can you be here on Thursday? You have to make all those plans ahead of time to get a plane ticket to come on down here probably bring somebody with you you don't want to travel alone and then be in hospital by yourself you want somebody with you who's going to be able to you know help you along we'll say Uh, so that used to be an expense that they have up front now you would get reimbursed for it but sometimes you had to wait and then of course there was that added as lisa dempster just said that added twist if you will if you have insurance that will cover it but of course we all know what it's like, Uh, that takes a while as well. On a good day, if you're not dealing with anything
6: serious, yes. I mean, this is huge. I was just listening to the conversation, and I was just so happy for the people of Labrador because, um, you know, when you are experiencing something as in crisis, could be something that's a serious health thing, that's the last thing you want to do, as you know, to have to deal with um, the insurance, the paperwork. This—it's st- the stress. You're compounding. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Everything that's happening is stressful enough, and then you're compounding the stress on top of. You're supposed to be trying to get better. All this should be seamless. You should just be able to hop aboard and then deal with it after. And by that—that that seems to be what she is saying. Yeah. Is that we'll deal with this for you?
1: It's one thing to have to get on a plane and go for an appointment. It's another thing if those appointments have to be repeated. Yeah. Um, so you know, how do you stays, deal with that? And yeah. there's
6: just so, so many things after that. Longer stays away from your family, that kind of thing. I mean, again, you're supposed to be concentrating on your health and getting better. And that just compounds the problem when you have to uh, address the financial aspects of it as well. Just good on you. I'm just so happy for the people of Labrador to be able to uh, actually get that. I'm actually excited about what she's going to be announcing next. We,
1: uh, we take some of these things for granted because we're a relatively small population we feel like we know everyone if you know what I mean Um, but Newfoundland and Labrador has a huge geography yeah and that's one of the things that you know government is continually you know sort of having to grapple with is this enormous geography with a very small population spread out everywhere
6: and then coming into St. John's perhaps not being familiar with it course you'd want to take somebody and have that person help you navigate the healthcare system as well Um, this this is huge and I love the piece too that uh, I believe um, correct me if I'm wrong but I think she said that you could be reimbursed if or you know helping out those people that could be friends that they could be staying with they get to be reimbursed somehow so at least you know there's that
1: yeah i mean a lot of people would want to bring their spouse or their uh, son or daughter mm-hmm. or you know some support person with them so um anyway there's a lot of challenges uh related to uh you know how to help people out when we've got such a like i said a big geography huge yeah. geography um well, I don't know. You've been watching the international news, Claudette, but the the situation in Morocco is just overwhelming, isn't it? Yes. Have you seen any of the pictures? I have. I've just been reading about it. Yeah. Oh yeah. my goodness gracious! What they're dealing in, and, and beautiful Marrakesh. I mean, one of the uh, premier tourist destinations, I suppose, in North Africa. Um, you know, people from all over Europe go because it's so. Close, relatively close, right? Go to Marrakesh all the time, and I know I've known people who have gone to Morocco and tell me what an extraordinary experience it is. But this ancient, ancient city with this rabbit worn of these little tiny laneways, you know, between buildings and stuff—it's just it's got this uh, charm. extraordinary charm and feel mm-hmm. about it. Um, almost devastated. I mean, it's just, uh, you know, you can just appreciate um, Morocco does get earthquakes, but not very frequently. You know, and we know of places magnitude. that get big earthquakes all the time, but this is one of the ones that you don't hear about as frequently. 6.8 magnitude. Now, every one of those points, not the 6, but the 8, you know, 6.8, 6.9, each one of those is just, uh, you know,
6: Elevate's that much greater. Yep.
1: Um, I don't know what the exact you know factor is but uh just extraordinary we had newfoundlanders there yes um, i read right about
6: some of those stories
1: yeah for sure we had newfoundlanders there i think some of them uh if they're not home by now they should be coming home very soon so no doubt we'll be hearing those stories over the next little while so stay tuned to our uh, vocm morning show and uh throughout the day on vocm.com we'll try to be reaching out to some of them um in the meantime i want to wish everybody a great day what's it doing out there now claudette is it precipitating in any way it, it looks just
6: looks the same dull. to me it looks dull the overcast yeah. you know the opposite of cbs apparently according to our listener letters. the <laughs> opposite of cbs
1: which is you know the sun is blazing splitting the rocks as they say beautiful yeah. in cbs not a breath of wind it's just beautiful
6: i'm sure there are other areas experiencing sun but us right now just outside of EOCM, it's mostly cloud cover
1: tell the truth now claudette I want you to be as starkly truthful as you could possibly be. So hard. Okay. Tell me, you have said (laughs) at some point in your life, well, I'm from CBS. It's God's country. Tell me. Yeah, but yeah, okay, yes, I have said that it's God's <laughs> country, but I
6: think there are other communities in Newfoundland and Labrador that call their communities God's country. Okay, well. all right, <laughs> fair enough,
1: you got me. Anyway, uh, I hope everybody in Newfoundland and Labrador and in God's country uh, has a great evening. We'll be back tomorrow, do join us then. Thanks for listening, everyone.